Kia ora, and welcome to 15 Minute Futures, the podcast that explores the future in bite size, but with a Kiwi twist. It's great to have you with us. Now, it seems we used to only think God could create life and cure diseases, but increasingly bioengineering is giving humans that same ability. So today, we're going to dive, albeit shallowly, into the weird and wonderful world of bioengineering. Hey, Rob, do you reckon Frankenstein was the original bioengineer? Hi, Steve. Hi, everyone. Well, I guess you could see it that way. I mean, he did kind of make something living out of parts, but I'm not sure that's what all bioengineers are aiming to do, i.e. create monsters. I mean, when you think about it, we've been doing bioengineering for a really long time now. Most of us would, would have a, a friend or a relative that's benefited from a prosthetic that's been inserted surgically because of their, their need. And we're just getting a, a, a few new amazing tools at the moment to do more weird and wonderful things. So, for example, 3D printing, uh, a topic we've talked about before, comes to mind. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good point. It, it is pretty amazing to think that it's now already 10 years since humans first created life in a lab. Well, I'm sure people created life in a lab before that, Steve. Christmas parties being what they are. If you're referring to Craig Venter's 2008 pioneering um, efforts around creating the world's first synthetic life form, well, that's that's a different conversation. <laughs> yes. I guess I was trying to think specifically about synthetic life. But when you when you look at that synthetic life, I only recently learned how this actually works. And it seems to be that what they can now do is essentially use a living cell or create a living cell, a bit like you would have a computer, and you create the hardware where you can insert different DNA and basically boot it up like a computer and create a new species in the process. That's pretty mind-blowing. I mean, when you're starting to talk about biological computers, but I think it might be helpful to go with a fairly... Um, 101 explanation of what bioengineering actually is. Yeah, good point. So the best definition I've seen is that bioengineering is applying the principles of engineering to the fields of biology and healthcare. So that's, so I, what I take from it is um, this is something about uh, a real mashup of a range of disciplines coming together to create something uh, really different and can be applied to making human life better. So you're merging mechanical engineering, computer science, big data, material science, chemistry and biology. And and in this mashup, creating a way, ways in which to improve the human condition. I wonder if this is a sign of how things are going to play out in the future. Yeah, I, I reckon so. I mean, if you look at it, you know, some of the most amazing breakthroughs we're having are where you smush together two different disciplines. One of my favorite disciplines coming from a policy background is, is, is behavioral economics or nudge theory, as some people call it, where they squished together both economics and psychology and suddenly made something more useful out of both disciplines. And it seems to be bioengineering is kind of the same approach. T totally. Um, so I guess the thing is, how did bioengineering actually come about? What's its origin story? Well, there doesn't seem to be much trace of it before World War II with sort of the engineering and life sciences disciplines being quite separate. But then in the 1950s, it seems they started to be some overlap between engineering and medicine as people from both areas decided, hey, let's both work on medical devices. So it seems to me like it was a bit of a gradual merging, but then a flourishing of all of these different children of the disciplines, if you like. What you're seeing now is things really changing as a result of that. It seems to me that the 
field of bioengineering had a few hurdles to get over initially, but it's really coming into its own. Uh, and I guess in, in, the, in its starting phases, there was a relatively limited range of materials the bioengineers were working with that could actually work uh, sympathetically with, the, with your body, getting enough cells to grow outside your body, getting a working blood supply, keeping things alive were all real challenges. Like many of these futures topics, I think that changes in advances and discoveries in some of the component disciplines of bioengineering have kind of created a playing field to allow this field of bioengineering really to pick up. It's becoming really turbocharged now as, as bioengineers are working with a much broader range of materials uh, that can actually be inserted into the human body or used to replace body parts that are worn out. Yeah, I mean, we could spend ages uh, talking about, you know, the incredible breakthroughs here, things like being able to create stem cells from normal cells and, and reprogramming mature cells that seem to have been breakthroughs. But probably more useful for the, for the listener would be to talk a little bit about how do you actually turn this into something useful? So let's say you want to make a human body part. How does that work? Yeah, well, it, it, uh, it could work a bit like this. So like 3D printing, you could start with some, some computer model or digital design and then structure it and, and layer up that design uh, in the real world using a 3D printing process layer on layer. But instead of using plastics to print structures, imagine using cells or something that's bio, uh, the bioengineers call a, a biocompatible scaffold to actually create that new tissue or, the, or those new anatomic structures. Imagine putting it into a, an incubator to culture the cells at, that actually mimic and recreate the environment of a human body. So when, where we use 3D printers to build things, and, and here we have living human bodies, and these things can come together to create body parts that can be transplanted into humans. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I mean, one of the examples that I came across was basically covering a, a scaffold of a human heart and stem cells and waiting for a while, and, and then it eventually starts beating of its own accord. It's pretty incredible stuff. And obviously, uh, when you're starting to think about 3D and 4D printing to create real working things, it is actually going to get quite practical quite quickly, isn't it? So is it worth me just listing off a few useful things that bioengineers are now trying to do? Absolutely. Okay. Well, what, one of the other things that uh, we're, we're seeing at the moment is scientists uh, in New Zealand actually are using a unique approach that uh, creates tiny balls of tissue, each containing around half a million cells, which are then printed onto a scaffold to enable bigger and stronger samples of tissue to be grown. So others do it cell by cell or bit by bit and grow it. Kiwis are, are using these kind of almost teams or balls of tissue and gradually building up working, living uh, organisms in the process. So one of the applications of this is things like reducing the need for surgery around immunoinflammatory challenges. What I mean is things like arthritis. And obviously this is huge because of the aging of the population all around the world. Um, another one that I came across, which is pretty amazing, is 3D printing eyes and ears. Just a few years ago when my grandmother died, she donated her organs to science. I remember feeling a little bit better because at least her death meant other people would be able to get her eyes and skin. I know it's a bit, a bit gross, but still quite important. Whereas in the future, we might not have as many people waiting for organs, waiting for these things. And in, in, in some countries, I know there are some really big waiting lists for transplants. Um, things like, I think the iBank Association of America estimates that around 10 million people 
suffer from corneal blindness. And so if you can create corneas and companies like Precise Bio in the US are now already doing this, suddenly you don't need transplant donors anymore. You can create your own cornea from your own cells, or at least someone can do it for you, and have it implanted into your eye. Pretty amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's pretty complicated stuff. And think about where we might be heading in 30 to 40 years, where you get a disease like pulmonary fibrosis. Imagine a world where blood and cells are taken from you, cultured and grown, and then bioprinted into their functional lungs that could be used to treat your condition. In other words, um, you'll be your own lung transplant donor. Uh, and there'll be absolutely no chance of your own body rejecting the transplant because it's cultured from your own cells. In 50 years, you might be able to walk into a room and there's shelves full of donor parts of all different tissues and particularly coded to your body uh, because of the advancements in tissue engineering. I mean, that's fantastic. It's diabolical. It's absolutely diabolical, Rob. I can, I've seen the movie of this. We all start having body doubles that are grown for spare parts, don't we? They, they walk around thinking they're originals and then it, it turns out it's us. And, and sorry, guys, we need to slice off a hand to give it to your body double. I, ho I hope that's not where we're going. <laughs> well, well, I'd rather have one than be one, Steve, uh, but I'm not sure we're quite there yet. And it's going to be a few ethical choices and trade-offs along the way. But I guess what we're starting to signal here is that the technology frontiers are moving quickly and the potential use of this technology to extend and improve human life is considerable. Yeah, there's definitely some amazing work going on around human lungs, hearts, livers, and any other organ you can imagine. Some of the more interesting and amazing applications I've seen are things like learning the secrets of, of other organisms' abilities to regenerate and then applying them to human beings. For example, in the last decade, I know people have been looking and studying the axolotl. I had one of these when I was a kid. Uh, amazing things, you know, their, their tail falls off and, and then it just grows back. But what's incredible is they're learning how the axolotl does this and then actually applying the same thing to uh, help humans uh, regrow bits that we never grew before. So if you think about it, it makes sense because even though it sounds weird, we all regrow a second pair of teeth every time we lose our baby teeth, but then we stop regrowing them. So what happens if you chip the adult ones? It's all over, right? You have to get falsies. Whereas in the future, maybe what we'll, we'll do is we'll get adult teeth created from stem cells. You'll simply get it molded, regrown, and implanted it. You know, and this seems like science fiction, doesn't it? But it's already been done. Some of the other interesting things that I came across was bioprinting skin and even some woman uh, in Spain who had her trachea recreated. She was dying of TB, I think, and they spray painted on her stem cells on cartilage, regrew her trachea and implanted it into her. It seems there's no real limit to this. When, when you think about the benefits of this, what are you, what are you seeing, Rob? Well, I, I think the, the benefits um, go hand in hand with people getting older, increasing lifespan and, and health spans of, of people. So the ability to have spare parts, I guess, to, to deal with uh, orthopedic issues around arthritis, certain types of degenerative diseases, it's going to be absolutely key, I guess, to figuring out how people maintain quality of life as they enjoy more of it. But it's not just about older people either. I mean, I read yesterday that a New Zealand bioengineering research team won a million dollars to develop the world's first artificial uterus, which uh, could be used to study abnormal pregnancies and, and figure out better ways of treating them. What other applications could you apply? 
I'm seeing uh, a lot of the healthcare applications, but I'm also seeing the ability to replace using animals for, for healthcare testing, for testing pills. And, you know, we talked about in the past killing animals for food. If you can bioengineer the cells of animals, chickens, cattle, or pigs, and grow them into burger meat, you reduce 70 billion animal deaths a year. You can customize your leather products. So all kinds of fantastic things for animals as well uh, out of this. But, you know, when we think about it, when we wrap this all together, um, is there a way that we can bring business and government um, and academia together a bit more? You know, imagine creating the Silicon Valley uh, for New Zealand, but, but for bioengineering. It, it strikes me we have maybe the kind of right boutique size and, and practical approach uh, where we could actually uh, become leaders in this area. What do you reckon, Rob? Yeah, yet another um, opportunity for New Zealand to take uh, a leadership role, albeit a, a niche one. Um, I guess it's also about ensuring that although the benefits are here, they are properly distributed across um, a range of New Zealand society. So that one of the concerns, I guess, is for government and I guess others who, who think deeply about this is how does everyone access these technologies or will it just concentrate in the hands of those with with wealth and better resources or, or access to this kind of emerging personalized medicine off the back of bioengineering? There's some big questions in there. Yeah. Well, we're lucky enough to have a reasonably equitable uh, healthcare system, but obviously in, in other systems around the world, uh, there are going to be big questions around who does and doesn't get access to artificial hearts and artificial organs that potentially keep them alive much, much longer. But for you personally, when you think about uh, what you're going to do with all this information, Rob, what do you take away from it? You know, this newfound ability to make us healthier as we age, to replace our parts a bit like old cars. What, what do you conclude? Well, at a basic level, I, I boil down to this, this realization. Um, the longer I live in a healthy way, the more science will develop and the better healthcare I get. So I guess I'm going to go out and have a salad, hit the gym, and, and stay close to some of those researchers in Otago and Auckland. How about you, Steve? Hmm. I think maybe I'll just wait till I can modify myself to look like Brad Pitt or, or at least a young version of him. Good luck with that, Steve. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Uh, and that ticking sound means uh, our 15 minutes are nearly up. Uh, so let's finish off with a simple question for our listeners. Are you more optimistic or pessimistic about the rapid developments in bioengineering? Go to our website, uh, www.15minutefutures.org. Many thanks to our sponsors, Springload, for digital products that catapult your business to the next level. And Anticipate, the company that helps you look ahead, plan ahead, and get ahead. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Rob. Yes, Steve.